Ghana is not many of us. A majority of us have met him in various places, a great speaker in schools and colleges, and also an elder of this church. And we thank God that God has chosen him today to come and speak to us in our family series on family finances. Let's put our hands together as we welcome. Sure now nobody will go without registering to be in a family group. Do I agree? I think that's, that's very, very important. So we want, as we, in our series, we want to continue discussing marriage. And today we want to deal with managing Christian family finances. In other words, I want to mention we are talking about Christian families and how to manage them. In the first service, I gave um, the, 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 the first portion, and I will, in order to be able to go on, it's only fair that we use the church services of recording. They have actually uh, taken time to record, and it will only be fair instead of repeating what I say during the first service that uh, you actually do it. But uh, we start with, um, with the card number two, that where I established in the first service that a lot of the problems we see in marriages are what we call behavior-related. And... Uh, on card number two on, on the screen, I argue that you, your behavior is not what you should be spending time on. When your wife behaves in a certain manner that is causing trouble in the family, don't concentrate on that behavior. Find out what is the attitude that has caused her to behave in such a way. And actually the attitude is not a problem. It's the belief system. What you believe determines your attitude. And your attitude determines you are behaving. For example, like I was saying during the, during the first studies, if you believe that, uh, like, 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 like I had the difficulties when I was in university in the 70s, I had uh, those days there were not too many professors. These days there are very many. But almost any professor I got, I, I had a lot of difficulties at that time, maybe because of my small mind. But I think one of the problems is I finally asked, what is the problem? If somebody got a professor, he's trying to explain something he must know very well. And I have difficult understanding what's the problem. So somebody explained that a professor is a person who has been continuously learning for a long time. And he knows more and more about less and less until he knows too much about nothing now. <laughs> so when you ask him to pick a past year, you can see his difficulty, isn't it? You are better off getting what he used to have to tell your fellow. We'll just a little higher than you. So every time I now learn, I have entered a class and my teacher is a professor, I say not again. <laughs> now if I believe, wrongly of course, that a professor is a person who will not understand my level and cannot communicate, then it does not take me long, as soon as it's introduced, I know I'm in trouble, isn't it? That I'm a private candidate. I better go to the library and read on my own. Now because my belief about the the possibility that a professor cannot teach well. It determines my attitude to him. And as soon as he starts teaching, even if he is teaching well, am I required to understand? The problem is not his teaching, it's my attitude to him. But if my attitude is not the problem, it's my belief system. If you want to help me, show me that a professor, after they have known too much about too little, when they know they are visiting about their class, they go back and brush up uh, the, the, the first year book. So they will not teach me at their level, they will teach me at my level. Now if you are able to make them convince me to change my belief, 
Then the next professor who comes, I'll be able to listen to him. Because my attitude is, he's not teaching me what he knows, but what he thinks I should know. And obviously, I'm no longer dosed in his class. So the dosing was not a problem. It was my attitude. And my attitude was not a problem. It was my belief. So that although today we are talking about the difficulties you get in marriage because of finances, I don't have to go to the details of your finance and the way you are running in the family. What I need to find out is what you believe. So what I'm saying, like I'm saying on that card, is belief about money is a problem, not money. Whether you have a lot of it or little, is not a problem. Like I said in the first service. So it's very important. The second thing I said in the first service is that behavior betrays beliefs. In other words, as soon as I know what you are doing, I can understand what you mean. For example, if I were to get your checkbook and you allowed me to branch through it for the last six months, how you have been spending, I will immediately know, despite all you tell me about your marriage, I will know your beliefs about marriage. Like for example, what I see you spending. I know you keep saying how much you love your wife. And I go for six months and I can't see a place you have about our kids. Obviously, I am not denying what you have told me. But you see, behavior is determined by attitude. And that surely, why would you spend on your man or a woman? Now that's an attitude about women. And you are believing that women waste money now. You need to understand that the only way I can sort out your marriage is not to, to, it's not to worry about that. Look at your checkbook. Don't worry about your attitude. To look at your beliefs. Are we together? If I went to your family and discovered that there is a, both of you own separate accounts and you are running money separately, I don't have to worry about that behavior. I know your beliefs about marriage simply by the way you manage your money. So if I wanted to help you, I, I think it's the important thing would to be to deal with your with your beliefs. And on card number four, I am saying that I would have to deal with your belief system about marriage. I want to ask you, is you as a Christian marriage or a traditional marriage? One of the things that is very important is that until you determine that, whether you are as Christian or traditional, there will be a problem. Now, in Matthew chapter 19, verse 8, the Bible says, Jesus replied, Mom permitted you to divorce your wives uh, because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from? What is the Bible saying? That initial, what the, the marriages of Jesus did, although by Pharisees and Sadducees, people who claim to know the Bible, they were saying the marriages were not ideal. It was not like that from the beginning. And that's one of the problems of Christ for us who read the Bible. Sometimes you read about the, the marriage of David, or the marriage of Solomon, or the marriage of Abraham, and you want to copy your marriage according to them. Jesus told you, don't. Most of the marriages in the Old Testament are not what they are copying. You must go back from the beginning. That's when, you, when a man, an African man, is having trouble with his wife, and he's around mid, mid, middle ages, around you are going to go through midlife crisis. One of the things they ask him is, even the Bible understood that after being a woman for 20 years, it is time for a change. Now, you need to understand that he is trying to quote the Bible in order to copy an African custom. Are we together? Jesus comes and says, it is true, your grandmother did it. And also true that Abraham did it. But it was not like that from the beginning. If you want your marriage to be a godly marriage, you must not copy the Old Testament. You must go back to the beginning. So what I'm trying to say, it is possible for you to be a Jew, but your marriage is not Jewish. Are we together? It is possible for us to have a born again um, husband, a born again, a born again uh, wife. Both of them are saved. 
or their marriage is not saved. And many of the Christian marriages, however, die, have been involved in counseling. What surprises us is how people, evangelicals, Pentecostal, in their belief system, yet their marriage is not a good marriage. You copy how they look at it, and there is absolutely no difference between in the way they are running their marriage and the way the grandfather in 1920 ran their marriage. Because the beliefs have not changed. You go to that, you go to that home, and the child is crying. The husband is only 20, but cannot beat the baby. Why African men don't take babies? So you need to understand you are not dealing with a Christian marriage. You are dealing with a Kikuyu marriage. That man. That man is the mental age of 80, <laughs> occupied by a body of 20. Now you, need to, you need to understand that age is not the body. Age is there. So it is critical for if we are going to sort out our marriage problem, is to find out what are the belief systems of the man and the belief or the new woman, and it's important. So I want to ask you the question: Is your marriage traditional or Christian? Because that's what is really going to. And the critical answer you need to give is, are you the Lord of your family? Or is Jesus the Lord of your family? You know, in order to emphasize this point on, uh, on, the next, on the next card, I say that when you become a Christian, you make your last choice. In other words, you'll never make another choice. And it's very important because there are non-Christians here who need to hear the message. When you become a Christian and you choose Christ, there will be no other choice you ever make. Because the choice of Christ is to make him Lord. So he makes all the other choices you will ever make. Of course, young people know married, are not too happy with me when, I'm, when they invite me to talk about how to find a life partner. And I tell them, when I meet a young man who tells me, I will never marry a Mukaba. Me, I can never marry a Mukaba. I don't ask him whether he is saved. I know he's on his way to hell. It's very important. <laughs> I know you are, you are, when you see me and Rebecca, and you have been, we got married in 1979, we're just about to begin our that year, year of marriage. You say, wow, John, you really made a good choice, I didn't, you are giving the wrong credit. I only found that which God had chosen. And if you want to know the truth, maybe I haven't given you this. Up to second year in the University of Nairobi, I had never met that girl. She was in Makerere, I was in Nairobi. She is from Eastern and from Central. I did not have met. Then in 1976, Idi Amin killed a number of Kenyans. Kenyatta was so unhappy, he issued a presidential decree that no Kenyan, remember those days was the invert of East Africa. When we did A-level, some of us would go to Dar es Salaam, some to Makerere, some to Nairobi, all over East Africa we were mixed. But in that year, 1976, Kenyatta issued a presidential decree that all Kenyans in Makerere University had to be relocated back to Nairobi University and if the courses were not available in Robin University, the government was willing to look for any college worldwide, but nobody would be allowed back to that uh, killer in their name. So because of that presidential decree, <laughs> did I, say more? I happened to have been the chairman of the University Christian Union. One of my former classmates at the Alliance came over the holidays and told me, told me, I know we are arriving at the same time with the past year. Remember, we are coming from a better university than yours. So when you come to the Christian Union, do not treat us like fast, like freshers. We are a Christian Union. Makerere was regarded as better than our university until it mean spotted. So I was given a lecture by my former classmates at Alliance that I must receive them, not like first year, 
but like people who come from better universities. So when they came during orientation week, I always said, welcome our freshers and our dear brethren. <laughs> and of course I received them. Whenever I was greeting, are you from Makere? Yes. And there was this particular girl, I, she said, yes, I'm from Makere. Oh, welcome. We are so happy to have you. If you have been in my house ever since. <laughs> you need to be aware that even if you are choosing to congratulate me, you are wasting your time. I only have a wife, my presidential. <laughs> so when I tell young people, they think I'm joking. When you sit there, be aware that the day you choose Christ, who you will marry is not your business. It is God's business. Of course, I'm quoting there Brother Eliezer, the servant of Abraham. He is seated in the well. He is supposed to have been told that Isaac must marry only a girl who has a belief system like her. He is sitting in the well saying, how do I tell? I know they are all relatives. Which girl is Isaac to marry? And he sits there and says, oh God, the choice is not mine. Let the girl who comes and I say, give me water. We will do the impossible offer. I only wanted one glass of water. She will volunteer to order my donkeys. And you know one donkey doesn't take one glass. So you have to be a very foolish girl to offer to, to, for all those camels to drink. So that means you have to spend the whole day getting water from the well. That's what that girl, uh, that girl Rebecca did. She offered. And then the Eliezer had to say, let that be the girl you have chosen for your servant, Isaac. In other words, Eliezer's job was not to choose. It was to find that which God had chosen. Now, and then you start understanding that's not the only choice. The way you manage your money, the way you get it, the way you use it, will also be a choice that is left to God. So that although you are called the head of the family as a man, you only have delegated authority. You can only do that which God allows you to do. And it's very important that to, to come to that level where your life is no longer managed your way. Is managed God's way. Then Jesus is not silent. He can give you trouble and you cannot sleep at night when you misbehave in your house. You are not the head. You only have delegated. Now, and so the Jesus you have talks, controls. He is in control. And it's very important to understand. So what I'm trying to say is that a lot of financial management problems are problems of belief. And because we have chosen to take to be the ones uh, making choices rather than choosing God. And it's very important to understand that you have to give, to, uh, to offer yourself to God so that you follow all his decrees. You seek to find what God wants with your life and then you bless him. Now what I'm suggesting on that card is that if you want your marriage to be blessed, whether by money or other blessings, it will be important that you leave God to be there to have the choice. A poet saying, they get the best who leave their choice to him. It's not poetic. They get the best who leave their choice into him. And that's what will happen to your marriage. When you decide I may be called the head, I may be called the man, the mother, but I do not want to be the one who makes choices. I want God to make all choices. Then you are assured of God's blessings. I know a lot of us are going to see the faith that you give a thousand shillings to, to, to Reverend Bishop, Professor, so and so who is reading a ministry. And as long as you get rich, you are likely to also get rich. Have you heard of that gospel? That the idea is make him rich. And until he is rich, you yourself will not get. I don't know why they read it in the Bible. Let me tell you the Bible story. The Bible is, be an obedient child, and the blessings will be his. Seek ye for the kingdom of In other words, leave all choices to him, and all these other things will be added. And I'm not suggesting you don't die. If you don't die, you're a robber. 
And I think a strange robber, the one who robs God, that's why he's a strange robber. Now you need to understand I'm not against you don't die. But please understand, even after tithing, you have no blessing until you become a patient. And unless your marriage is based on the scripture, it's not a traditional marriage, but a Christian marriage, do not accept the blessings of God. If you want God's blessings, you must do it in God's way. Are we together? But I want to say, what are the beliefs in a Christian marriage? Since the Bible has told us to go back to the beginning, Let's read Genesis chapter 2 on, on the next card. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 to 25. Uh, in the NIV it says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, several things, uh, I don't have the time to read a lot of them. There are several characteristics of a godly marriage. First, it begins with a man who will leave his father and Mother. And today we are talking especially about the issue of finances. What the Bible is saying, you are not in a Christian marriage if you are married to a girl, but you are still tied up to your father. I think it's very easy for girls to live. That's why the Bible did not emphasize the girl living. Most girls simply live. But the men, many of them in this church, they never rest. They are still controlled by. Let me tell you an example of one of the controls. A lot of our fathers who are now in their 80s, I mean, my fifties, they are in their 80s. Still have not given the inheritance. The guy is so old, but the land is still the way he got it from, my, from his, his, his father. So what does he do? Once in a while he goes to your home, and then you think this time is not the divine land. He doesn't. He always waiting for the gifts. What happens is that he knows. In as long as he cannot appreciate that land, he can control his sons. So once in a while he goes, what's wrong with that woman of yours? Then you come back to Nairobi. There is not home, there is no peace in your home. What happened? Because your father made a wrong comment about you, huh? What does that tell you? The man has not yet left. The Bible is saying, if you want peace in your home, a man shall leave. And it's critical that that leaving is done. You know, a lot of young people even married, not even worried about the money they have, because in their own understanding, they can still rely on their father. I want to tell you, whoever pays calls the children. Is that true? And if there is no reason, you have no business calling yourself a Christian marriage if your marriage is in finance by your father. You need to tell your father you are rich. I'm grateful that you actually were good enough to educate me. Having educated me, I may have a little salary, but I and my wife are going to earn that salary. Stay with your money, I'm happy to be poorly happy. Now my community. <laughs> if there is going to be any peace in your home, you must come to where your father's money is over relative. Am I we together? Until the day he decides to he decides to go ahead and divide it. Then at that point he gives you. That's why a lot of people don't divide it. So the day he divides the land and gives you five acres, he has lost power, isn't it? Because once the, the land is in the name of yourself and your wife, can you say anything else? You now respect him as a father, not as a bank. Now it's very important to understand, since you know banks are respected, that's why he has not yet divided. One of the things the Lord helped me is that because I'm the older in the family, and I realized land prices were going up, and people used to believe you have to buy land, and although I didn't want it, now basically, in order to have peace with the clan, I just went in a neighboring place and bought land. As I bought land, I told my mother, my father has died, I, when, you, when the time comes to divide land, the younger people are the ones who require. Now that I have my own, and you know it, now I do not need it. That does not mean I stop respecting my mother, but I now respect her, not because I want land, but because she is my mother. Can you imagine what she went through to bring me up? She does not need to give me anything else 
She has already given me enough to honor her. And even if she didn't give me, the Bible says I must honor her. Are we together? So there is no risk. As long as I'm born again, there is no risk to not honor her. I want to tell you, when she finally wanted to divide her land, and she went to the Radboud, they said it cannot be true. The chief said he knows you have more sons than the ones you are dividing. How come you are not dividing your land properly? I will send a letter to Nairobi to go back to the village, to talk to the chief, to please convince him that I don't want land. Because he has never had anybody. When land is divided, every son must. You must have. I say, no, no, no. I have chosen not to get any land. But it means that from that moment, we have a relationship with my mother that is based on respect. Are we together? And she knows when I come and give her a bag of sugar, it is not because I want anything from her. It's because I'm grateful to God. I want to tell you, a lot of marriages have trouble because a lot of people, a lot of wives in Nairobi are controlled by a man that you have somewhere at the back. He says, good woman, the sun comes in, wow, you're a wow, darling. Says, useless woman, there is trouble in Nairobi. All carried by remote control by Muse in the village. I want to tell you, financial issues will be sorted out. The day a man obeys the scriptures, a man shall live. But of course, I'm giving you the impression that women are free to live. And the other day I had a friend of mine who told me that in his marriage, in his marriage they are going through hell. What's the problem? There is nothing they can buy unless the woman, I was about to tell you which is, no, you know who I'm, oh, my friends are talking about. Unless the woman went to the village to sort out with the mother. Nia is not a man, it's a woman. They cannot find a property, they cannot make any decision until she goes home and asks the mother, is it a good decision we make? Has that woman left? The car will not be released. You can imagine the embarrassment of this brother. As he went out, he said, Brother Nana, did I tell you, I'm living in hell on? <laughs> and I, I actually say, the best I can do is to pray. Because obviously, there are people we know each other, and we have cancelled them before, I thought there's something you can do. But then now we can't talk. And listening to the man alone is not useful. In cancel, you must listen to both sides. So basically, we went. I went to my house, my mother and I prayed. Do you know by miracle? The following day, of course, one is just Mecca, the one Medina, they are not talking. But when she went to her office, by the grace of God, she was finally convicted, called the husband to get the keys. And it was a miracle. I am suggesting to you, the trouble is, in that family, the woman will never do anything. And then the mother gave permission. But this is why you said in your car, it will be old, but it's good. Now, the wife does not have the freedom. I want to tell you, that marriage has financial trouble. Not because of lack of it, but because of their beliefs about marriage. Are we together? A man shall live. And if you started practicing that issue, so that all financial decisions are not made by cousins and uncles, they are made by just the two of you. Can you imagine how many problems you will go? It is will be very, very important and it will be easy to sort out. The second thing that is mentioned in this verse is that, and be united to his wife. So the first characteristic of a godly marriage is that they literally have nobody. Although during the wedding we even swear we have left all. After the Bible tells you you have to leave all. But the second one is you cleave. To use the King James English. You cleave. There is friendship. You cannot be a Christian marriage and not have friendship. Things you do that unite you, that, that, that make you friends. You are cleaving to one another. You leave and then cleave. And that's really what you are talking about. And you know some people, before they married, they literally had time for each other. They were friends with one another. They spent a lot of time. You know, sometimes you go for marriage and say, I don't know what I can do with that woman. I tried to, I tried everything. I said, how did you get that in the past? You don't have to change the formula. The same attention you gave her, 
If only you can repeat the same attention, which is what the Bible is saying. In a Christian marriage, people befriend one another. I agree, you didn't have a lot of money, all you bought our chips, and once in a while you could afford the sausage. But you see, the critical thing was not what you ate. The critical thing is you had the time to just look Anna for Anna. Are we together? And even at her birthday, she's looking for having help. Don't even buy chips. Just take a, a walk around the, 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 around the, the estate. At that point, they're not looking at anybody else. It's just you and, and her. Now, I want to tell you, that's what the Bible is saying. All those financial problems you're having will disappear. The day she realizes she's a queen. And you know something? Kings marry queens. The day you start treating your wife as a, as a queen, what do you become? A lot of you are my number because you <laughs> So as soon as you know you treat your wife like a manaba, what do you become? Manaba. It is that what the Bible is saying. You know, the way you spend your money will depend on your belief about the value of the woman. Are we together? And it, a lot of those financial issues you are having have to do with not obeying the scriptures about cleaving, looking for opportunities to be together. Thirdly, it means that you become one flesh. In other words, there will be, and we'll be looking at the verse a little later. You are no longer two, you are one. And I'll spend a bit of time on that as I finish. And then the next thing is that you are, they were both naked and felt no shame. And it's very important during the first service, I spent quite a bit of time on that idea of nakedness. A lot of men want their women to be naked. They must say everything. But for them, remember they are the men. Now, and they have, remember the marriage is not Christian, it's tradition. So the wife has to say all her money, what she's spending, but the man does not. Please read the verse again. The man and his wife were both Not the woman naked and the husband clothed. It was both were naked. So it is not that the wife has fell off. Even the man must tell. And maybe when you buy the cassette for the first service, you will see the, the, the other things as well. And then lastly, is the issue of not being ashamed of one another. In other words, they are one. You can be one, but you're embarrassed about each other. But these people who are one, they are either naked and they feel no shame. Do you know these days, you have to do even a research to tell who is the husband of the other. You go, you go to, the, to the embassy, you go to America, you say you are one person is called Kamau, then there is a wife called Mrs. Domo, and they are claiming to be married. They now have to get a marriage certificate to prove they are married. Why? For some reason, some women don't want to be called by the man. Have you heard that thing? Because I'm sure if you went to where my, my wife works and you know Rebecca, you know that you just say business now, isn't it? What about if she is not too happy to be associated with me? She has looked for one of my village names, you know I also have village names. <laughs> the only somebody from Jabili knows what I'm called in the village. So she wants to be called by that village? So you go there asking for Mrs. Nana. They have never heard of such a lady. Now I ask you, if you do not want to be seen as one, it's kind of you are embarrassed about being seen together. Are you having a Christian marriage? It is important to understand that in a Christian marriage, you are proud of the woman. Other people may think she is ugly, but you want to be the contest. It's very important to understand she is Miss Kenya as far as you are concerned. Don't worry the size of the nose, or is it the ear? Now that is the correct. What you wanted. And you know something? There is nobody ugly to the husband. Are we together? And because basically by the time you marry her, you have sorted out that issue. Other people look at the ear and wonder, surely. <laughs> but for you, you see that those ears and you say, I know. Even when her ears are not good, 
They are plumbing enough to take every boy. <laughs> it's very important to understand that you are not embarrassed about one another. And the word of God is saying, they felt no shame. In a lot of marriages, you have married someone. And because you are a boss in your place of work, you do not want people to know that the messenger in the other office is your husband. Remember, he may be a messenger to others. To you, he is king because you are queen. Irrespective of what job level he actually is. If you are embarrassed about your husband because of the job he does or because of his height, some people don't like tall people. Now, you need to understand that the critical thing is there will be trouble, financial trouble, but it's not really finances. It is because in your own mind, you don't feel like you're going to be in that marriage forever. And it starts to have problems with you and it can have a lot of problems. You know, I finished that section by mentioning that it is important to understand the why of marriage. Why did you marry? And like I said during the first service, it is important to know that the reason for your marriage will affect the way you manage your finances. For example, some women did not marry a husband, they married a bank. They looked at the kind of poverty level they have come from, and they said, God, I have been so poor in my family, don't allow me in my marriage to be poor. So they look around at the man who looked potentially a bank, is the one they married. But after he went to the home, he turned out to be rural and urban. Now you don't understand. <laughs> you don't understand what I mean by rural and urban. It collapsed. Now it's very important to understand. When your bank collapsed, is there no for your marriage? No. But if you married for the proper biblical reason, like I said during the first service, it doesn't matter whether, whether he's a, he has money or doesn't have money. You married him for companionship. It will be easier to show. The second thing I said, I said during the first service, is that if it's a Christian marriage, it will be a marriage that has acknowledged God's presence. And then the next thing I said uh, uh, on card number nine, uh, that saying if it's a Christian marriage, I say it will be a marriage that has transparency. And then next, I, I, what we are saying in looking, remember we talk about beliefs about marriage, that will, man, will help you manage your family finances. I think what, what we emphasize is that it will be based on trust and vulnerability. What are you actually saying? That basically the financial issues are not the issue. It's that sometimes you don't trust your money, your, your wife with the money. But the trouble is not the money. It is simply you don't trust her. And the day you lose trust, you will be talking about behavior problems that are almost breaking up your marriage. But that's not the problem. It's that you don't trust the person. You know, I keep telling people. I sometime ago I had a chance to go for, for a business trip to Finland. And the person who I work for a multinational, so the person was our host was a single lady, I'm one of the managers. And I said, you're not married, she, she looked pretty, pretty older. I said, no, 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 it's not that I'm not yet married, but we are staying together. I said, what does that mean? Oh, in my country, you don't get married. Even my mother comes to visit, but they know that you must test whether you are, you are faithful one another. So you stay together several years. If there is peace, you now finally go to the altar. You know, I told her, let's be frank with one another. Marriage is untriable, is that English? You cannot try marriage. Because even if she comes and stays home, she is aware you are not legally about, she's not legally about to you. So she realizes, if she does not treat you well, you could shed her off, isn't it? So she treats you in a certain way. I want to tell you, the day you go to the altar, and he signed on the daughter, if that afternoon he tries to divorce you, half of his money is yours. Now, you can understand the change. And you'll discover that in marriage is a totally different being from come we stay together. I know in science we like having pilot projects and 
you start changing forever. <laughs> marriage is based on trust. And that trust cannot be tested in a trial marriage. No. And the day you finally come together, and you realize we can, we can, you know, that, like I was saying to you the first service, the other trouble with a Christian marriage is one-way traffic. And you know in one-way traffic you cannot reverse, isn't it? Unless of course you want to commit suicide. You have to keep, even if you have taken the wrong route, you continue going until the roundabout. <laughs> Am I right? Yes. Now, with, with marriage, it's one-way traffic. On the wedding day, you enter it. A little later, you discover, why I entered the wrong road. This is not the kind of one. Please, remember, unless you want to commit suicide, keep going. <laughs> until the roundabout. And what is the roundabout? It's about God? Death. And if you harass her until she dies, you're a murderer. Now, it's very quiet <laughs> The only thing you are left with is that treat that woman well. Because the choice is not divorce. The choice is you will be married either to endure it or enjoy it. Yeah. Now, whether you enjoy or endure will depend on your value system and the way you treat the queen. So that she can make you? Okay. Am I communicating? Yes. It's very, very important to understand. So I'm saying trust and vulnerability. You know, the more you reveal, the more vulnerable is it? The more you know about me, the easier it is to destroy. You know, I was rather touched when I heard that uh, from policemen that whenever somebody dies, the first suspect is the wife. I think that's terrible. At that time, the wife is crying and mourning. Then they come asking questions and to suggest that you have to explain why he died. I think it's inhuman. The policeman said, please understand that there must be something called motive. And the motive is likely to be with friendship. I don't know if you have read my book, um, Friendship. I've written a book called Friendship. It's available here in the Wexter bookshop. And I say, what is the definition of an enemy? I say in that book, and you can buy it, you'll see what I say. An enemy is a former friend. <laughs> you cannot be my enemy unless once you used to be my friend. So that the police are not that wasting with others. They go for friends. Because an enemy is a former and you need to understand the greater the friendship, the greater the potential enemy. If you are just a, a casual friend, then you only can be a casual enemy. Are we together? <laughs> if you are deep, there is a possibility that you will be a deep enemy. So please, for your people, for service reasons, keep treat that Kagaro ever. Because potentially, she is a potential great enemy. Now, please, remember you talk about endure and joy. So, for whatever reasons, it is important to look for ways to make peace with that girl. Treat her well. Because in her welfare lies your welfare. Am I communicating? So what I'm saying is, is that in a Christian marriage, it means becoming vulnerable. And if you refuse to be vulnerable, then your marriage will not. In other words, the more I reveal myself to you, the greater vulnerable, the greater vulnerability I have. And because I'm vulnerable, I realize that the best way to deal with that vulnerability is to be friendly, isn't it? Yeah. So it's like a, it's like a, a, a you know, what's the opposite of each circle, a virtual circle. That because I know I'm vulnerable, I treat you well. And because I treat you well, I become more friendly. And because I'm more friendly, I treat you even better. And because I treat you better, I become even more friendly. That, that vulnerability is the openness to trust. If you choose that, ah, 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 women, like you do women, ah, you're dangerous. Watch out. Is that the way you want to treat? What will happen is that you will have a shallow marriage because the depth of your marriage depends on your vulnerability. And I know we are talking about money. You see, if we start, if we start sharing issues about money, she can destroy me. I agree she can. But if you refuse her to destroy you, 
you, deal, you, you lower the quality of your marriage. The depth of your marriage is dependent about your vulnerability. Am I communicating? That the two are related. So if you decide to be defensive, that's important. It's just like the porcupines. In your village, there are porcupines. <laughs> now, porcupines have a very interesting problem. Because when it gets cold, like I come from a strong of Abdeas, and they get very cold. When it gets cold, porcupines gather together. But if porcupines come together together, they start pricking one. And when they prick one another, they again move aside. Again, they become cold. Then they realize the only solution is come together. You need to understand that what marriage is. She has pricked. And you have pricked. You come together and you prick one. So if you are going, please go, you will be cold. Wrong is only possible by the porcupines looking for the last styles of getting the pork the together such that they come and don't hurt one another. It takes time. But if you invest your time properly, the porcupines will enjoy one. It's very important to understand it's the same thing with the money issues. That they are risky, they are porcupines, they can destroy. But if you want quality for your marriage, it will be important that you spend time on them. You see, the last thing I'll mention, I'll mention is Matthew 19, verse 5 and 6. If it's a Christian marriage, in order for you to manage your finances properly, you must aim at a Christian marriage that is based on permanence. Matthew 19, 5 and 6 says, and he said, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. Are you hearing that? It is quoting Genesis, but taking a step further. What God has joined together, let no man separate. Even you yourself don't have the permission. In a court of law in Kenya, they can separate you. Legally, you'll have a legal discharge, but has God discharged you? And I think that's, that's the thing that you need to understand. I want to tell you something. The day you have this idea of a Christian marriage. That you are in this marriage and it's not reversible. Do you know the only thing you'll do is to look up for it? If you plant a tree that is rare and it's not growing properly, you don't cut it down if you know you cannot replace it. What do you do? You look for fertilizer, isn't it? You look after it. In the same way, if your marriage is having difficulty, if the responsibility of divorce, you, talk, you go ahead and divorce, isn't it? When you know divorce is not a possibility, what happens? You read books, you do everything on you do a PhD on that cacao until you can turn the cow around. Because you have no other alternative. Am I communicating? Yes. You have many issues, no longer be many issues. Say darling what you want. We will discuss. I am here to stay. But if you are your maxim in marriage is the fact that you cannot be there for long, what happens? You will not mix your money. Because you cannot mix your money with a person who is likely to live in a time. You know that you say the kind of woke. Now, obviously, my marriage has gone beyond that. Gwe is grey hair. And the queer women who want to divorce used to say, I am with you, but my grey hair will not be seen in this. Oh, many of us in our forties, fifties, the grey hair came, although it's covered by some elements. But it's very, <laughs> it's very important to understand that the minute you believe about marriage is not last. You cannot mix your money. You know, that, that, and I want to tell you what happens in the process, you do not live in a marriage that is together. You know, Christian marriage is unitary. Most of the African marriages are federations. You know what I'm talking about? What do you tell, and of course Kenya, we have had Majibo debate, isn't it? What's the difference between a federation and Majibo? It is that in Majibo, each Jibo, each province, 
It runs its own government, except for two things, defense and foreign affairs. For those two defense, you don't want to be attacked by Tanzania, you are too small to fight. So the defense remains together. Also foreign affairs, when you go to the UN, you are one foreign affairs person. The rest of the thing, in a federation, you are independent. Some marriages are exactly like that. The wife looks after domestic expenses. The man after capital expenditure. The money will never meet. Basically, they are federation, isn't it? Except on defense and foreign? <laughs> Try to cut that woman and you'll be trouble from that. Where is the problem? Everything else is divided except defense. You have it. And then foreign affairs, they walk hand in hand. Don't touch the money, darling, darling. Now, basically, it's called foreign affairs. This is very important. When they came from home, they could not see eyes. And last night, one was sitting in Mecca, the other one, Medina. But you need to understand when they come to each other, they are hand in because they are a federation. And by the way, they are not a lot of quarrels because they understand that is not a unitary government, it's a federation. So they have independence. You do whatever you want with your money. Do whatever. And some of them even divide children. The ones named after the wife, the ones named after the husband's side. Even the children are divided into two. Because they are federation, not unitary. That's not a Christian marriage. In a Christian marriage, the two shall become one. But more important is to understand it will be a permanent union. You know, if I hire some piece of land in, to grow wheat in the Rift Valley, and then that year there is no there is no rain, I lose all my money, isn't it? It's a big deal because that deal is gone. So, but if I own the land, I have access to the land. Some years I'll get it, some years I don't. In a ten-year process, I'll have made my money, isn't it? I can tell you the viewpoint of two farmers: one that is temporary and one that is permanent. Are totally different. In the same way, the day you are married, peaceful is based on permanence. That you can go, you can go anywhere. But your wife has said, I will stay here until then you are. Don't bother treating me badly. Because even if you treat me badly, I'm going. A wife like that, my financial problems will be few and far in between. Am I communicating? But a wife who is always threatening, man, you, you think you are the only one. Yeah. I'm waiting until my son is 10. Now he's 9. One more year. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There is going to be a lot of financial But they are not the problem. It's not the problem. It's your belief about marriage. The Christian marriage is permanent. Let us pray.